Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness so together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless. Hello and welcome to day 13. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds as we pray this prayer from St. Augustine, our patron and intercessor. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, we continue our journey today. Today we are in part two, number three, and today is active works must begin and end in the interior life, and in it find their means. Of course, we speak only of active works that are worthy of the name of works. In our day, there are not a few that do not deserve this title at all. They are a species of enterprise, organized under a pious front, but with the real aim of acquiring for their initiators the applause of the public and a reputation for an extraordinary ability. And these men are determined to achieve the success of such enterprises at any cost, even that of using the least justifiable of means. Other works there are which, it is true, deserve a little more respect. Their intention, at least, is good. Their end and their means are beyond reproach. And yet, because their organizers have little more than a wavering faith in the power of the supernatural life to act upon souls, their results, in spite of great efforts, are either totally, or at any rate, almost totally futile. To give a precise idea of what a good work ought to be, let us quote a man whose apostolic work is the pride of his district, and recall the lessons he gave to us at the beginning of our priestly ministry. We were interested in the formation of a club for young men. Having visited the Catholic clubs of Paris and a few other French cities, the work going on at Val de Bois, and so on, we went to Marseille to study the work done for Catholic youth by the saintly Father Alamand and the venerable canon Timon David. We rejoiced to recall the emotions in our hearts, as a young priest, on hearing the latter speak as follows, quote, bands, theatricals, lantern, lantern lectures, movies, I do not condemn all that. When I started out, I too th thought no one could do without them, and yet they are nothing but crutches, to be used when there is no alternative left. However, the further I advance, the more my end and my means become supernatural, because I see more and more clearly that every work built upon a merely human foundation is bound to collapse, and that only the work that aims at bringing men closer to God by the interior life is blessed by providence." Unquote. Our band instruments have been relegated to the attic for a long time, and our stage has become useless, and yet the work is going on better than ever before. Why? Because, 
Thanks be to God, my priests and I seem much clearer and straighter than before, and our faith in the action of Christ and of grace has increased a hundred percent. In addition, take my advice. Do not be afraid to aim as high as you possibly can, and you will be astonished at the results. Let me explain. Do not merely have as your ideal to give the youth a selection of clean amusements that will turn them aside from illicit pleasures and dangerous associations, nor simply to give them a Christian varnish through routine attendance at Mass or the reception of the sacraments at long intervals and with questionable dispositions. Launch out into the deep. Let your ambition be, first of all, the noble one of making a certain number of them at any cost. Take the firm resolution of living as fervent Christians, that is, of making their mental prayer every morning, going to Mass every day if they can, and doing a little spiritual reading, besides going frequently to communion, and fervently too. Put all your efforts into giving this select group a great love for Jesus Christ, the spirit of self-denial, prayer, vigilance over themselves, in a word, solid virtues. And take no less trouble to develop in their souls a hunger for the Holy Eucharist, and then stir up these young men to act upon their companions. Train them as frank, devoted apostles, kind, ardent, manly, not narrow-minded in their piety, but full of tact and never making the sad mistake of spying on their comrades under pretext of zeal. Before two years have gone by, come and tell me whether you still need a lot of brass or stage sets to catch your fish. I understand, I replied. This minority will be the leaven. But what about the others that you will never be able to bring up to that level? What about the group as a whole, the use of all ages, and even the married men who will join the club we are planning? What are we going to do with them? You are going to build up a strong faith in them by a series of well-prepared talks, which will take up many of their winter evenings. Your Christians will go out after these talks well enough armed not only to give complete and effective answers to their fellows in the various plants and offices, but also to resist the more treacherous action of newspapers and books. If you can give men unshakable convictions, which they will know how to affirm if they have to, without regard to human respect, you will, already, have achieved a result that is not to be despised. But still, you'll have to take them further yet, and give them piety, genuine and ardent piety, based on conviction and full of understanding. Shall I open the doors to all comers right from the start, I asked him? Numbers will be no use to you unless everyone is handpicked. Let the growth of your club depend, most of all, on the influence exercised by the nucleus of apostles, the center of which will be Jesus and Mary, with you as their instrument. The premises won't be very impressive. Should I wait until we can raise the money for something better? Well, when someone is starting out, spacious, comfortable rooms may serve as a big drum to advertise your new enterprise and draw attention to it. But I repeat, if you know how to build your club on the foundation of an ardent, complete, and apostolic Christian life, the barest minimum in the way of premises will always be enough to accommodate all the accessories demanded by the normal functioning of the club. Don't worry, you will soon find out that noise does not do much good and that what is good doesn't make much noise. And you will see that a good, clear understanding of the gospel will cut down your expenses, and far from hurting your success, it will promote it. But above all, you will have to pay the price yourself. 
not so much by wearing yourself out, rehearsing plays, or getting in football games, as by storing up in yourself the life of prayer. For you can be sure that the extent to which you yourself are able to live on the love of our Lord will be the exact measure of your ability to stir it up in other people. When it all comes to, then, is that you base everything on the inner life. Yes, absolutely. That way, you don't merely get an alloy, but pure gold. Besides, speaking from long experience, I know you can apply what I've just said about youth clubs to any kind of work. Parishes, seminaries, catechism classes, schools, soldiers and sailors groups, and so on. How much good a Christian society, really living on the supernatural level, can do in a city? It works there like a strong leaven, and only the angels can tell you how many souls are saved because of it. Ah, uh, he concluded, if only the majority of priests and religious and workers in Catholic action knew what a powerful lever they have in their hands, once that lever takes advantage of the heart of Jesus as a fulcrum, living in union with that divine heart that would soon transform our country. Yes, instead, they would bring our land to life in, sp in spite of all the efforts of Satan and his slaves. And this ends our conversation that Dom Jean-Baptiste Chattard had with uh, his fellow workers uh, who were organizing Catholic clubs in other French cities at the time. And it's absolutely fascinating to think about because we have so many apostolates, so much effort that's going into helping people um, you know, come to know the faith, right? Or uh, all sorts of activities at our parishes. And how many of them are rooted in being faithful disciples, spending time in daily prayer, coming frequently to the sacraments, and striving to live a life of heroic virtue? Not many. This idea also was done and produced, uh, you know, uh, one of the greatest saints of our own time, uh, Pope John Paul II. He was a part uh, in the beginning, uh, when the persecution began to happen in Poland, um, his parish priest <clears throat> organized several lay people because he knew that he was going to be arrested, and he organized uh, numerous lay people to form small groups and to train them in prayer and to be faithful uh, to the church and to do some spiritual reading and then for them to then lead other groups. And that's exactly what John Jan Turanowski did. And he was responsible for the formation of John Paul II of accompanying him. And it was something of where it wasn't just for those who were interested in being priests. It was for those who were in the parish and they wanted to follow their faith. We have to be willing to be courageous and to do something similar, to trust. Jan didn't have an advanced degree in theology. He was just an average everyday worker, but he was willing to accept the cross. He was willing to accept what was placed before him and was willing to do it, trusting that God would provide what he needed. We need to be able to do the same thing. So our resolution today is 
how am I serving as a person that is helping others come to pray each day, go to the sacraments frequently, going to Mass as frequently as possible, and also living that life of heroic virtue. How am I helping others do that? Now, it might be just in your family. And I say just, but that is extremely important. This is our primary vocation if we happen to be married and have been entrusted with children by God. So the fact is, how are you helping? Are you helping your spouse? Are you helping your children? Are you helping your close group of friends? I just did a YouTube video about the power of a group of friends, and this is exactly what is going on. We need to be this leaven. We need to be this person, these people, who are living out this life of prayer. We have to be paying the price ourselves. So I want you, your resolution today, I want you to think about how are you helping someone else? And if you're not, then ask our Lord to point out who it is that he wants you to accompany. Who is it that he wants you to uh, help be able to, they themselves, be able to take up this life of prayer. So, know of my continued prayers for each one of you, and I look forward to seeing you all again tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know of my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness so together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless.